It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Finding out you have cancer can be devastating. Feelings of depression, anxiety, and fear are common. Today's guest, Douglas Wick, was diagnosed with late-stage leukemia. His journey from diagnosis to today is inspiring, and it offers hope to anyone traveling the same road. Welcome, Doug. Thank you so much for joining us. Honored to be here. Thank you, Joan. So, Doug, let's start at the beginning. What were you experiencing when you were diagnosed? Were you having any health issues at the time? Uh, I was having some uh, minor issues. Well, with my, uh, I had been diagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes, and um, I couldn't get my levels, my blood sugar levels down, and been working on it for weeks. And uh, the night, the night before I actually did a blood test, I was um, at a basketball game with my son, and. Uh, Climbing up the stairs, my my uh, legs felt like um, like they were you know uh, lead in them, and um, so I was I was concerned and worried about that. And when I went in to do the blood test the next day, um, I you know was ho- hoping to find out what the uh, what the verdict was. And when the doctor uh, called me back later that afternoon, uh, he had indicated to me that I ha- I had to get to the hospital immediately, get to the emergency room. Uh, because my I was anemic. I, my blood levels, uh, you know, were about half of what they should be for a person my size. So um, that that's what was immediately, uh, you know, causing the the concern and why I had to go to the hospital. And when I found out I had uh, cancer. Doug, when was the last blood test you had before that time? Did this happen quickly? Yeah, it it seemed to happen really quickly, and um, I, I couldn't even tell you when the last blood test was. At least six months, or maybe even a year, since uh, you know before um, before it happened. Yeah. So everything was looking good at that time. So when you ended up going to the hospital and they did extensive studies, what did they find? Um, they found out the you know I was in the hospital overnight on a Friday night. I I you know went in. I'd never been really into the hospital ever before. Uh, and, uh, you know, they did tests on me, uh, you know, gave me transfusions to hopefully bring the, you know, my blood levels back up to the appropriate level. And uh, the next morning, the doctor came in and um, matter of factly announced that I, you know, it appeared I had acute myeloid leukemia. And at that same time, he told me that it looked like I'd probably have to be in the hospital for uh, up to a year, and uh, which was devastating to me. I, I can remember just being uh, both shocked and angry at the time because I was, the, you know, the sole breadwinner for our family, and I didn't know. You know, I had two young children at the time, uh, and uh, wasn't sure how I was going to be able to navigate that. You know, so it was, uh, it was just, yeah, devastating to say the least. Yeah. Why did he say you would have to be in the hospital for a year? Uh, well, that's normally the treatment for acute myeloid leukemia. 
um, you you get put into a private room uh, because of the uh, they they have to reduce your blood levels so low for the uh, uh, cancer treatment that you just have to be isolated. And uh, he said usually that's what the length of time that most patients are in for. That is if they do eventually get cured. And he did add that to that you know statement that you know if you survive. So. It was um, it was gut wrenching. Is that what you did, Doug? You then checked yourself into the hospital. Yeah, I I did, and uh, I you know frankly that that day I can remember uh, because I you know I was so worried about financially what would happen to my family uh, with me being the you know the sole uh, earner in our family. I I just told the doctor to shoot me now because I was you know I thought I didn't know what the you know you, with the, with uh, something like uh, cancer I didn't have any idea what my insurance would cover or wouldn't cover. And I was afraid that my family was going to end up in back bankruptcy. So we, we went down that, that next day and, and um, checked into the hospital at the University of Iowa. Yes. Yeah. And so what did you experience during the next 12 months? Well, then during the next 12 months, um, actually the next seven months, I, I went through uh, five chemo, uh, chemotherapies. I, um, uh, no, you know, when I went in, when I got into the hospital, my uh, bone marrow was 84% cancerous, and immediately they said um, you've got a, less than a 10% chance of survival here. But it got worse because they also found out I had monosomy seven, uh, with the tests that happened during the first week. And in, what what monosomy seven is is uh, a condition where your uh, chromosome, your my in this case my seventh chromosome, wasn't duplicated. So they said it's going to be dip more difficult. So uh, by the time I went through the five chemos, I had less than a 2% chance of cancer uh, remission. And uh, so I had to do something. Uh, I, I felt I needed to do something else. And one of my friends from Israel actually contacted me and, and um, we were in, in contact having a weekly meeting. And he had suggested I uh, read a book by Joe Dispenza. I think you've had Joe on your program, um, it, which was which was called "Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself," and I had had some success meditating earlier in my life, and so I started meditating. In addition to doing a number of things, in fact, I created much to much like what I did for my business. I'd always been creating dashboards. I, in essence, created a new dashboard just for my health to monitor uh, my habits of meditating every day. You know, making positive affirmations. Uh, exercising every day, and then and then researching ways to possibly find another way to um, uh, you know cure my cancer. So that was kind of my routine, and and I did something different as well when I got into the hospital, which was uh, the first thing I did is I decided I'm not going to wear the house hospital gowns and everything else um, because I felt that would you know mean I was a victim of what was going on. I said I just decided I was going to get up every day and dress. Um, like I, I did when I was home and, and, and at work. And in fact, after the first week, the uh, um, physician assistant there asked me, uh, you know, I asked him, can I work from uh, the hospital? And I ended up actually working from my hospital bed uh, for the uh, nearly uh, seven months, eight months that I was in the hospital, which, uh, which kind of ticked off some of the uh, people, uh, nurses and doctors, because I would have signs on my door that would say, you know, in a meeting or uh, meditating, and which meant they couldn't enter, uh, which was 
not something you probably see too much at a hospital. But you know what? I, I wish it was something we saw more of because you are a testament to why I do this work and the purpose of this work. And, and you're right. Dr. Joe Dispenza has been on the show a few times. And what you just shared was that you were in a situation where many people would say, this is it. I'm done. You know, they would check out and really give up. But at the moment when they were telling you you had a 2% chance of survival was when you, I would say, got your head in the game, so to speak. You turned it around. And do you feel that you had the, the, that you were really the person that change this around? Do you credit yourself for your survival? Well, I certainly have to give myself credit for the outcome. I, I would say, you know, the me and the creator, okay, because I think I believe that there was, you know, powers beyond me that helped, helped me. But I, I believe I helped set the stage by having the discipline and believing, you know, I think as we talked about before, I'm responsible. I, I felt responsible for why I got cancer, uh, which, which frankly, the first day or two I beat myself up about. But frankly, uh, the truth is, is if I was responsible for uh, somehow unconsciously or whatever, getting cancer, then I was also responsible for being able to get rid of cancer. I, I had a doctor that told me this is about, you know, after the five um, chemotherapies that I had, uh, you know, that looked at my chart when I got back uh, home and she was, we were doing some transfusions. She said, Doug, go home, uh, spend the, what time you have remaining with uh, your family and your loved ones. And, and the truth was I, I had uh, been meditating and I never believed I was going to die. I can't explain why I felt that way, but you know, um, I, I did, I just didn't feel that way. And I remember after that meeting, meditating, uh, with the after the doctor, I had got I was getting transfusions. I meditated, and after that meditation, I realized, you know, as part of Dispenza's meditation process, um, you you go through a, an element of deciding how you're gonna how how is it gonna be when you make it out. And I realized that I hadn't been envisioning that. I hadn't been feeling it in my heart. And when I got back to the hospital the next time, um, something miraculous occurred there in my hospital room uh, that gave me the idea that I was going to be cured. And uh, four weeks later, I discovered I was cured uh, when when they did the final clinical trial, which um, eventually got me free of my cancer. Doug, what were you visualizing during those meditations? Um, I, I, it would probably take me too long to tell you the whole process, but in the, one of the, the last pieces of the process that Dispenza has you do is... Uh, Imagine or envision what it would be like when, whenever, whatever trial or whatever challenge you're trying to overcome, you're through, you're past that. And I envisioned myself on a beach in Hawaii. My son, my children were coming. My wife and I were there. And frankly, I was there to speak uh, to a group that on how I had managed to con- conquer my cancer. And uh, so uh, when I got back to the hospital after this doctor had told me to. Uh, that, you know, to just live the rest of my life and kind of give up, more or less, uh, I would meditate. And when I would finish the meditation, there were several times when I came out of that meditation literally crying because I had, I, I had been there. I'd been on the beach. I'd been in front of those people speaking at what had happened. And very shortly after that I, uh, is when the miracle occurred that I, you know, I got a picture on my screen that told me, my cancer was going to be cured. 
Uh, I went through the clinical trial, and um, one one night I'm I'm home uh, because when you get um, you know the the uh, you, they drill into your back to get your um, biopsy. Uh, they tell you to go home for a couple of days because it takes you a couple of days to get um, the uh, results from that. And I got a call about 9:30 at night uh, on a warm summer night in July, and it was from my doctor. And he said, "Doug, I don't normally call my patients this late at night, but." I don't normally have this as good a news either to tell him. And he said, Doug, the results of your biopsy came back and there's absolutely no trace of cancer in your bone marrow. Doug, in addition to everything that you just described to us that you did, did you make any other lifestyle changes? Uh, You know, um, lifestyle changes, I I was conscious more of what I was eating, but I don't think I I made um, real real choices there that that um, significantly altered my my diet i lost a lot of weight in the hospital which which was i think normal through through chemo but the main thing i did was the meditation uh i would meditate an hour probably sometimes two three hours a day you know sometimes i'd wake up in the middle of the night and i might be getting um anxious about it and i and instead of being anxious about it i would meditate um and um and other than that i did consciously make an effort to um, every day be positive, to, to dress normal, not wear the you know the gowns that people would normally do, um, and um, and then um, also just say positive affirmations. I'm a big believer in positive affirmations, and anytime I would get uh, a feeling of uh, concern or anxiety about it, I I would just repeat uh, an affirmation that I would have to keep myself focused on uh, you know the outcome and a positive uh, view on life. So. And so by dressing yeah. up the way you did oh. and, and showing up for life, you at that moment decided you weren't going to die. You were going to have your life back. Exactly. I, I took, in my mind, I just simply decided I'm going to be responsible for this. And I believe I'm going to, you know, I'm going to survive and thrive. Um, the, the par- uh, I'm not sure if um, our listeners would be familiar with the Stockdale paradox, but in essence, uh, he was, uh, Admiral Stockdale was the um, highest ranking um, Vietnam prisoner of war. And he had, um, he has a quote, which in essence says, I believe that by, uh, that I would come through the situation. I think he spent seven years in um, uh, the prison in, uh, you know, North Vietnam. And he said, I believe I was going to come through this and be better than what I was for having done it. And I never gave up faith that that was what, what was going to happen. And um, it's, uh, it was a powerful reminder to me that I was going to come through this and be a better person than I had before I came, through, came into it. You were given a 2% chance of surviving. Did any of the doctors that were working with you, did any of them ever say to you, what did you do, Doug? Why are you still here? <laughs> Uh, I don't recall anybody really asking me that. No, I mean, I do have, you know, my, uh, my doctor, uh, afterwards, um, in fact, in fact, I don't know that any of them told me I only had a 2% chance of survival until after I survived. But, um, one of my doctors would say, has said to me several times, you know, you're a medical miracle, Doug. Uh, people just don't come through this like you did. And, and so, but nobody ever really asked me what I did differently. 
Um, well, that's you know, I ask everyone that question who's in a, a situation similar to what you've just expressed. Right. Because I know if I was a doctor and I was looking at a patient that I was viewing as a medical miracle, I would say, what did you do so I can tell other people? Yeah, and I, I, my guess is they, they believe that the, the medicine, the chemotherapy, was ultimately responsible for it, the clinical trial. And, and that's, you know, because their, their belief system is medicine works, you know. And um, if you ask me, I would say the, the meditation, you know, really is what uh, helped me. I was fortunate, um, Joan, that I was healthy, you know, even when I got to the clinical trial. Um, Dr. Carter explained, I interviewed him afterwards for my, you know, the book I'm writing um, uh, and have written, that what, what the difference was in his mind. And he, he felt that he said, by the time most people go through five chemotherapies and get to a clinical trial, in most cases, they're not even in a position to, to be able to get a clinical trial. So I, I just believe the doctors have such a infallible view of the medicine uh, that they're, and, and the applications that they use that, that that's just naturally what they think, and they move on to the next patient. They're busy people, you know? Yeah. So I have a friend who was recently diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia, and I remember the day her chemotherapy pills arrived at her home. I happened to be there that day. And she mm. wanted to go into this journey with the mindset of, welcoming the medication into her body, um, you know, visualizing herself healing, because what she believed is if she was so fearful of the chemo and she was going to be afraid of all of the side effects that are listed, and the list is long, she would drive herself crazy and make herself sick. So what she decided to do was bless the chemotherapy the day it arrived and welcome it as her friend into her body. And I have to say, she has not experienced any one of those side effects to this date. You know, we pray that continues, but I think it has a lot to do with the mindset. I, I would, um, you know, and I think you, your, your other uh, right, change your attitude, change your life. I think that is so true. I, I think, you know, I never, I never imagined the chemo treating me badly or anything else. I never was afraid of the chemo. And your, your friend really is a great example of that idea of change your attitude accept it, bless it, uh, believe that it's going to be, uh, you know, save your life. And um, I think the outcome becomes much different if you're, if you're accepting and have the right attitude about it and expect positive things. I agree. Yeah. And, and that's why I love doing this show with you today. So Doug, for someone who has a new diagnosis and is facing a journey similar to what you experienced, what do you say to that person to offer him or her hope? Uh, you know, I think that, that, you know, that's a challenge depending on what, what the person is experiencing. If, if uh, you know, one of the things I've found is that, that health, depending on how you feel, uh, that can really have a great effect on your mindset. But if you can accept the idea that you're responsible and believe that, that things can, um, that you can have control over it, control everything that you can control your attitude. I think attitude is so important, as you well know. And, and then look for, other, look for other aspects of how you can possibly uh, uh, treat this and, and attack it. Uh, because um, in, in reality, take control of what you can control, and you'll feel much better about what, going through it. Whereas if you're just submissive to what's going on, you, you, you lose control of um, how of the outcome as well in my mind so i would just tell them to be very very positive uh 
pray, whatever, you know, meditate, whatever it is, exercise, do whatever is in their power, schedule, create a dashboard and figure out here's, here's how I am going to be working with whatever the medicine is you're going to plan to use to uh, achieve the outcome that you want. Be a partner and be responsible for the outcome. And I think they'll find that they, uh, they get a better outcome than they would otherwise. I couldn't agree with you more because, as you said, doctors look at this as the medicine will do the job, and it will. The medicine will do what it's supposed to do. But equally, if not more important, is your role in that. You have to work as a team with the treatment. You have to take charge of your life. Like you said, meditate, get your head in the game, practice gratitude, eat nutritionally, move your body, anything you can do to aid the healing yeah, there's a there's an interesting book by Emmett Fox that says, uh, uh, in essence, <clears throat> that, that um, everybody has a different God. Okay, my God, I believe can cure cancer. Okay, your God might not, <laughs> and and really, it is your belief system that determines the outcome. I feel um, it, it. You know, is that a hundred percent true? I don't know, but it certainly has proven its way in my life that if that if I believe I'm going to be able to be cured by this. And that, that's what I did. And that's, I set out with the intention of, of, of achieving that and looking at what were my options? What are the activities that I can do to make this possible that I'm going to survive this cancer and I'm going to come out better for it. Um, and if you look at the challenge that way, that not only am I going to survive this, I'm going to come out better because of it. I think that now you've got a, now you've got a, uh, a purpose to live and a reason to live and, and actually prove to everyone that um, this is not going to defeat you. Doug, you have such an inspiring story, and I know you're working on a book now, and, and, and I know when that book comes out, it is going to change lives. And when it does, I want to have you come back on the show. So thank, thank you, you for being here. Thank, thank you. you for sharing so openly and honestly, because as I said, you are going to help so many people. Thank you, Joan. Thanks so much, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. And I love, I love your whole uh, approach here with change your uh, attitude, change your life. Uh, it's something I certainly and wholeheartedly believe in. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.